everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Bills Beat Podcast. However, you're listening to us, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Sadly, still not Spotify, even though I kind of called them out on Twitter. I guess you all saw that. But uh, but nonetheless, we shall charge on because now we are in a game week. The Bills have gone through two practices throughout the week so far, and they've got a date in Baltimore with the Ravens lined up for Sunday at 1 p.m. As always, my co-host is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And, you know, we've we've uh, we've spent a few minutes on uh, on the quarterback position, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we, we've we've touched on the topic yeah. once or twice. Yeah, we, we've dabbled. Um, so I think because we've briefly covered the, the quarterbacks, we should do something outside of that. And one of the more compelling aspects besides that quarterback position that will ultimately define this upcoming season for the Buffalo Bills will be exactly what they're working with on the defensive side of the ball. Now, last year, it was the defense and really random events, random occurrences such as interceptions that helped set them up in a way to where they could put themselves in good position to win games. And that helped lead them to a playoff berth last season. This year, they went out and they signed some people. They drafted a couple of high-profile players. And it, it seems like that they upgraded, at least on paper. But does what we're actually seeing match up with perhaps the expectations that uh, that line up and we're going to break it down position by position really just because this is how at least in my opinion how the bills are going to turn out victories this year I don't know about you because I don't think the offense has enough to cut it and I think the defense is going to be the thing that has to bring them forward yeah and I think it's the one spot where you can't really argue that they're definitely more talented on the defensive side of the ball than they were a year ago, but there are so many factors that will determine whether they're more successful on the defensive side of the ball than they were a year ago. There's the schedule. There's just breaks in games of, you know, like you mentioned, some of that turnover luck is luck. Some of it is skill. Some of it's luck, but will the ball bounce their way as often as it did last year? Will they stay as healthy as they did a year ago when, for the most part, outside of a few minor injuries, they were a pretty healthy team? They upgraded the defensive line with Starlo Tulele and Harrison Phillips and Trent Murphy. They got better at linebacker by adding Tremaine Edmonds. But I don't think there's a guarantee that they'll be a better defensive team, that the defense will be as successful at stealing wins as it was a year ago because a lot went into that. A lot broke their way, and they had a quarterback who was kind of perfect for the style they played on defense where he wasn't creating short fields with turnovers. Uh, Yes, he did have his fair share of three and outs that made life a little bit tough on them, but For the most part, when you're playing a field position game, Tyrod Taylor is the type of quarterback you want. Mm -hmm. And so all of that factored in, can this defense do what that defense did a year ago? The first test isn't an overly difficult one, I don't think, against the Ravens. I think they have a chance to have some of the, you know, carryover from where they were last year. You look at the Jacksonville game that was just a grinded out game that they were within striking distance of because they played good defense. Same as the Carolina game a year ago. I think this Ravens game could be like that, but you start to peek ahead on the schedule because unlike Sean McDermott, we can do that. Mm -hmm. We don't focus in on one week. We can look at the big picture. They've got the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Packers in the weeks that follow. They've got Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck shortly after that so those are the games where you wonder is this defense going to be able to keep up Mm -hmm. not necessarily against the Ravens or the Titans some of these teams that play those low scoring games but the teams that can run up the score those are the ones that gave the Bills trouble last year and they didn't 
you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there weren't a ton of occasions last year where this defense showed up against high-powered offenses. No, you're right. Even go go back to like 2014 and you know that team with a really good defense had its moments against Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning. You didn't see a lot of that last year. There was there were I mean Cam Newton's a good quarterback. He's not, you know, a slouch by any means, but that offense got off to a slow start last year and the Bills were part of that. They performed pretty well against the Falcons. Uh, but again, that was kind of a down year for the Falcons offense after Matt Ryan's Super Bowl year. So I think that's part of the challenge to get this defense to the next level, especially after they invested so much in it. And they're in the second year in the same system. And Sean McDermott is a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me that the Joe Flacco, Alex Collins, Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, John Brown, and Nick Boyle Ravens don't don't uh, put fear into you? They do because, not strike fear into the heart. I don't know. Uh, of course, I'm, but I'm kidding a little bit. They can run the football. They can. And the Bills haven't proven that they can stop the run. Right. And that was a big problem for them, especially after they traded Marcel Darius away last year and as the season wore on and the depth wore down on the defensive line, that was a problem. Will Tremaine Edmonds and Starlo Tulele, Harrison Phillips and Trent Murphy fix that? Well, that's the goal, but right. you know, are they all going to be healthy enough or, in the case of the rookies, ready enough to step into those roles week one on the road against a team that has been there and done that? I think that's a, a fair question to ask. And let's start there at that spot, defensive tackle, because... As you pointed out, the run defense, really at points last year, when they went on that losing streak, it was horrid. The It was the main reason why the Bills were losing those games and, of course, not having the offense to try and pick them up. It all led to what we saw, them getting blown out and getting run all over by these opposing offenses. And so they made it a priority in the offseason. Star Latulule was brought in on a fat free agent contract, probably a lot more than most other places would have given a one-technique defensive tackle like him. Uh, They went out and drafted Harrison Phillips. They coaxed Kyle Williams into coming back for another year, basically because they're like, well, if you're not playing, then, dude, all we got's Adolphus. (laughs) And, And Adolphus isn't that great. And it... Once again, this is an aside on Adolphus Washington. This preseason just showed exactly what he is, which is a player that shows up and makes a flash play, and then he's gone for the rest of the game. And it's just infuriating if you're either a Bills fan or a member of the coaching staff, really, because you're like, why are you so good on that one play, and then you're just nowhere to be seen the other 65 of them. So what's interesting about that position, too, is I think they know just how much they're going to be leaning on Kyle Williams, because when I asked Leslie Frazier about Shaq Lawson's ability to play that position today, he said, you know, they're experimenting with it and, you know, he gives them some flexibility there. But when I brought up, you know, the fact that Kyle Williams is older and, you know, I guess that gives them another body to potentially put in there, Leslie Frazier was like, well, Kyle's still here, and we're going to need him, and <laughs> yeah. he knows that. Mm-hmm. He didn't just come back to you know, hang out and, and play a few snaps. They don't have a lot of depth there, and no. that's the you know probably the fault of Adolphus Washington um, and the fact that you can't address everything at once because if you think about it, their two best backup options at three-technique defensive tackle would be playing out of position. Harrison Phillips <laughs> as a one-technique moving over to three technique or Shaq Lawson as a defensive end moving inside. You could argue both of those guys are better options at that position mm-hmm. on a consistent basis than Adolphus Washington. So therein lies maybe the biggest question up front and in the front seven is, you know, can they get can they hold up for the entire year? I right. mean there's already injury questions with Kyle Williams and Trent Murphy, despite the fact that you know, they practiced in full. They spent the whole preseason, for the most part, uh, injured. So, you know, you hope that you're getting better play up front, but 
those guys need to be healthy and, and ready to perform. And this is a group that dealt with the likes of Cedric Thornton last year as a starter, mind you. By the way, he retired after a, a brief summer of work. And it just wasn't wasn't great shakes for the Bills last year. And it's it's all due to the fact that they were trying to turn the whole thing over. They were trying to find guys that worked in Sean McDermott's scheme. And really, they just didn't have the horses out there last year. And this year, they have some more uh, players that help to do what they want to do. And Latulule is going to be huge in this because he's going to come in there and even if he's... I don't know, slightly above average. That's a humongous upgrade over what they were dealing with at one technique defensive tackle last year. Then you have Harrison Phillips. I wonder, and this is just from thinking what the rotational stand, what the rotation might be with that group. I wonder if it's really just mostly a three-man rotation where it's Latulule, Williams, and Harrison Phillips all kind of getting around the same amount of snaps through the game. And for Phillips, he's just lining up one spot whenever he's filling in for Kyle Williams, the other spot when he's filling in for Latulale, and then occasionally Shaq Lawson on those pass rushing downs. I really wonder if they just make Adolphus Washington inactive because they, they, need, they need to find six inactive somewhere. And actually seven. They need, they need to make seven inactive because they don't have another quarterback. So they need to find some room at some point. And I wonder if Adolphus might be that guy. So maybe it's a it's a huge workload for the rookie to try and keep them afloat because they just can't trust Washington out there. So it's still a huge question mark about if it'll actually work. Like, like how is Latulale going to play in, in this system? Or after being with Sean McDermott all those years, and does, there's also a certain... I guess, narrative out there that says Latulale was a little bit disappointing in his last few years in Carolina. And how does Harrison Phillips perform? Yeah, he had a great summer, but is he going to be able to amp it up and do it in an actual regular season game? Or will he just have to kind of feel his way through and, I guess, make some plays as as his uh, rookie season progresses as opposed to just being a, a straightaway impact player? So there's still a bunch of questions. And oh, by the way, Kyle Williams is quite old for NFL sake. And I'm just going to put this out there. You can hate me if you want to. I think it's just human nature too. He looks a little slower out there. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news too much, but... It's, it's just not as quick as it always was, but it's also a product of his age, which is why it is so important that they have to limit his reps a lot more than they did last year. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure that they're, they've wrapped their head around that quite yet, but well, they, need to. they should have when they saw him go down because if he were to miss extended period of time, they could be in some trouble. You're talking about... Harrison Phillips, who is off to a really good start, but is still a rookie playing a really tough position to play as a rookie, and to hold up over that amount of snaps over the long haul of a season after going through the pre-draft process from the Senior Bowl to the Combine to the Pro Day to getting drafted right into rookie minicamp, it's a grind. And so to expect him to be as fresh you know, in December as he is now is just... It's not going to happen. And so they need to get a little bit fortunate with injuries because I still yeah. think that's a a sore spot on the roster, one that I think they'll look to address in the draft early next year or in free agency because they just don't have the horses to with you know sustain an injury and keep keep going now. Would have said the same thing last year, and you know they plugged in Cedric Thornton and got by and managed to make the playoffs. Yeah, so but he was you can bad. overcome it. He but was really bad. He was like getting pushed down onto one knee or two knees multiple times a game, and that is not a good look for your one technique defensive tackle. No, and you need 
you know, the, the hope would be that they get better linebacker play and that if Starlo Tulele can hold up over the long haul, then you're in good shape, you know, at least at one spot and maybe the defensive ends are more consistent in run defense. So there should be a lot going on around that's that's better in the front seven, but that doesn't mean that you don't need Kyle Williams as badly as ever. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting spot to put yourself in because, like you mentioned, he is old. He did get injured in the preseason, and there's no guarantee that he's going to be quite as good as he's always been. Everybody hits the wall at some point. And he definitely had a dip in production last year, too. And it could be coming for Kyle Williams. And if it does, I don't know what, what the answer is for yeah. the Bills. I'll tell you what, though. Should the Bills actually end up with a top-five pick? Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary would be pretty enticing options. Ed Oliver from Houston, Rashawn Gary from Michigan, both three technique defensive tackles that just punish opposing offensive lines. All right, let's stick along with the uh, defensive line here and next go to the realm of defensive ends. Another position that the Bills addressed, they only had to bring on one guy because they actually had good depth last year. They just didn't have another starter. They Jerry Hughes, I thought, had a really good year again. His sack statistics notwithstanding. I mean, he was, was very good against the run, was getting double teamed quite a bit, and really you know, set the table for his teammates. His teammates just didn't really take advantage of those opportunities. Shaq Lawson had a good start to the year, especially against the run, then kind of disappeared as the year went along. Eddie Yarbrough was a solid contributor as a rotational guy, um, but... But really, they needed something else. And they did go out and sign Trent Murphy to do just that. And We haven't really seen much from Trent Murphy. And it's been a bit disconcerting. I mean, he's not on the injury report for this upcoming Ravens game, which means he will be eligible to play after really being hampered by a groin injury for the majority of the, the summer. So for them, they need to see him come in there and be an impact player or at least show a little bit more pass rushing chops than what Shaq Lawson brought to the table last year. I think Shaq Lawson shifting into a rotational role is much more well suited for his game because he's not he's not the type of guy that has just a ridiculous amount of moves that he keeps you keeps you guessing from one play to the next. He can come in there when when some Offensive linemen are tired. He can bull rush you back, and that's pretty much his game. But it still leads to the point that the Bills have to generate more of a pass rush, and they need to be able to help Jerry Hughes not get double-teamed all the time. And I think Latulale helps with that And on the inside. They're hoping that Trent Murphy helps with that on the left side, and then go from there. But it's... This defensive end group is a to-be-determined, just like the defensive tackles are. It really is, and it's, again, not to you know be a wet blanket, but Trent Murphy hasn't been on the field in a long time. Nope. And you can assume that he'll be an upgrade, but that's still you know skipping a few steps. And pass rushing... I mean, he he was a productive pass rusher, but I, I wouldn't say he was ever a you know top flight pass rusher in the NFL. They didn't go out and sign you know one of these top tier pass rushers like they did when they went out and got Mario Williams all those years ago. He's a good pass rusher. He's an upgrade over Shaq Lawson if he's healthy and back to being the player he was in 2016. Mm-hmm. That's a big if, mm-hmm. and I think Shaq Lawson, for as good as he looked in the summer still isn't that type of pass rusher either. And you could probably say the same thing about Jerry Hughes that you say about Kyle Williams, because eventually I I would say Jerry Hughes's best days are more than likely behind him. Not to say he's not going to be effective this year. I think everything we've seen in the preseason and training camp suggests he still has some juice, Mm -hmm. but I think his prime is behind him. And so pass rush is still an issue here. Can Tremaine Edmonds bring some of that? Can Lorenzo Alexander bring a little bit of that? They've had him 
work in in that role. But again, Lorenzo Alexander, as much as he has defied the odds and extended his career beyond what anybody thinks it it should have been, he is old too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting questions on this defense. There's a lot of easy assumptions being made that they've upgraded and that there's, uh, you know, so much room to grow. But there are some potential pitfalls here too because some guys are getting older. Some guys are coming off injury. Some guys haven't proven themselves. And all that could create uh, an, a, a boomer bust situation, really, in the front seven. Yeah, and to your Jerry Hughes point, he's 30 years old. He's in his second to last year of his contract. His final year of his contract, his cap number is something around, I think it's 10.4 for 2019. And if they were to cut him, they would save almost $8 million dollars. So this is a big year for Jerry Hughes, no doubt. And for him being able to show that he's a complete player. And I wonder if they would just keep him because they have so many other things they have to address in the offseason next year. Or maybe they shed shed the money and, and say, hey, we can spend $8 million on something else, something younger something fresher that uh, that we can bring along the way that we want. Uh, even so, he needs to remove that line of thought from the Bills' mind heading into the 2019 offseason because if he doesn't, then he may well be a free agent. And that, that uh, additional money he would be inclined to get, that huge base salary, that's not going to be there. So for him... He needs to take advantage of better teammates around him. And if he gets more one-on-one opportunities, I think he will have an uptick in numbers. I just don't know if it's going to be, like you said, if it's going to be like an 11 to 12 sack year or anything like that. I, I if, if he gets near 10, I think it's a great year for Jerry Hughes. If he gets four or below, then unfortunately, even if he's good at the run, Unfortunately, it would be time to move on from him in the offseason. Yeah, I think he's one of the few guys left that they haven't taken care of from a salary cap standpoint. Mm -hmm. And they haven't hesitated. Every move that looks obvious on the horizon of, oh, it looks like, I mean, even years ago when you say, well, they can't get out of that Charles Clay contract until this date. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be surprised if they do that next next offseason. LaShawn McCoy... The time to get out is probably next offseason. Yep. Jerry Hughes, the time to get out is probably next offseason. And are you going to pass up the chance to save $8 million for a guy that's going to get you five sacks? I'm not sure that you are. That being said, I think this is the point in Jerry Hughes's career. You see pass rushers go one of two ways. Hughes is very explosive off the edge. He's a really quick twitch athlete. Can he learn to find other moves and different ways to get to the quarterback using uh, you know, his experience and his brain and everything he's learned over the years? I tend to think he can in the right situation. I mean, can he be a, you know, can he have a, a late career like Dwight Freeney or OCU Minora? These guys who were able to last because they understood how to play the position mm-hmm. as much as they, you know still had some limitations maybe physically. And those guys were also great guys that you wanted in the room. And I think Jerry Hughes mostly fits that, except for when he's taking dumb penalties on the field. (laughs) Um, So I think he has to maybe reinvent himself a little bit beyond next year if if he wants to, you know, stick around and prove that he's worthy of that number. It could be the case that he somewhat reinvents himself and they still say, and it's not really worth it. And he latches on with a contender and has a productive end of his career. Right. But odds are they're going to move on at some point here in the next couple of years. Or maybe he reworks his deal or something along those lines. But it, it almost feels like unless he really comes to play this year, something's got to give with his contract situation heading into 2019. All right. Uh, let's go to safeties real quick. Because I think this will be a quicker discussion only because 
know, they have two locked-in starters in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. But my main question for this year is, can the success that they had in 2017 be sustained in the upcoming year? Because a lot of that success was partially due to some some random bounces and that went in their favor where they were able to take advantage of the ball trickling through the air and maybe barely getting it before it uh, it hits the turf or it going off a wide receiver's gut and into into their hands or, or something along those lines. But can that be continued? I, I almost approach it from a way that they prepare and put themselves in the right spots and that plays into it a lot you see on film a bunch of times where those guys are moving well before the quarterback throws the ball and it's because it's something they saw on film maybe they're reading the quarterback's eyes they're they're pretty savvy players out there i i almost feel like i want to be careful here but I think Micah Hyde is a superior player to Jordan Poyer in the long run of his career. And I wonder if last year for Jordan Poyer wasn't an anomaly. And we'll have to see if he can continue to be a really good player in Sean McDermott's defense as he was last year. But nothing from his past stops indicated that he would have the type of season that he did last year. Now, he was a sound tackler, put himself in the right spots to make plays, looked like he was very studious. You just have to wonder, is it the case where flash in the pan, or is there some sustainability there? Your thoughts? I think it's a fair question. I think this is a real downer of a podcast. I know, I know. Micah Hyde is a really good player, (laughs) for what it's worth. I think Micah Hyde is... A, a top flight safety in the NFL, NFL. I really do, even though he doesn't have the physical tools. Yeah, Micah Hyde has been able to, like we talk about with Jerry Hughes, he's been able to reinvent himself in a lot of different ways throughout his career. Jordan Poyer did somewhat the same thing as a college corner moving over. I find it to be an interesting conversation because I, I think Jordan Poyer is a talented player. I think he's a guy that will still be productive for the Bills. But the fact remains, you might not see what you saw out of him last year ever mm-hmm. again because he was right. so good. It's and like it's like a baseball hitter that it, his career is like a two eighty hitter, and then he comes out of nowhere, hits three twenty one year, and then you're like, whoa, where'd that year come from? Right, he could still hit two ninety or three hundred once in a while, but right. he might never have that type of year. Right, and with Poyer and the rest of the secondary for that matter, I'm I'm fascinated by how much of the interceptions is preparation and skill and instincts and all the other football words that you want to throw out there and how much of it is just luck you know a guy a quarterback making a mistake and throwing the ball to the right place the ball not bouncing off your hand they do do a ton of drills to prepare they spend more time on the jugs machine than any group of defensive backs I've seen in the four years I've covered the bills but at the same time you have to be in the right place. The quarterback has to make a mistake. A lot of stuff has to happen for interceptions to come into play. You got to have some talent too, and I think these guys do. But if they don't get quite as many turnovers and they don't have quite as much luck in that department, that puts a huge dent in the productivity that they have as a unit. Mm-hmm. And there is just a statistical regression that is inevitable, yeah. I think, in a lot of instances when you have – it's the same thing as when you have a ton of touchdowns as an offense in the red zone or passing touchdowns. There's just a regression to the mean. Uh, and I don't know that that will necessarily happen, but I think it's safe to say some sort of regression is coming. And to that point, the Bills' safeties were able to do what they did without a pass rush. And that is remarkable. Is, again, is it is it the instincts? Is it the the readiness to they do have great, the opponents? They all have 
really good hands. Yes, and the one thing that Sean McDermott said he looks for in safeties is, is someone with a baseball background, and both those guys have a pretty significant baseball background, and that helps with them tracking the ball and being in the right spot and everything along those lines. But making it even more like, wow, how did they do that last year? How did they get so many interceptions between the two of them when you don't have players well, good enough to get to the passer? It's almost ridiculous to think about. So, I again, I think Micah Hyde is a really, really talented player. And I think Jordan Poyer is a good player. I just wonder if both of them could have the same same production as they had last year and if only one of them can have it I think the one that isn't having it probably is Jordan Boyer that's that's just my my brain trying to figure out who he is as a player as opposed to the rest of his career maybe he's just a late bloomer that's that's possible too so there's plenty to consider with the safeties but of all the positions that's the position where you can feel confident in as a Bills fan. Because even if Jordan Poyer regresses, he's still going to be a good player. And same thing with the turnovers. They're still going to be sure tacklers. They're still going to put themselves in positions. Maybe potential interceptions tip off their fingertips this year or something like that, and they don't bring in as many. They're still good players. They're still going to be in the right position. All right, before we get to the two, I think, biggest question positions remaining first let's get to what we're working on and Matthew Fairburn over at the athletic how's uh how's it going <laughs> yeah over at the athletic a lot of a lot of new stuff going on over there um I'm trying to remember the last time we updated folks we've got Tim Graham has Q&A's with Brandon Bean and LaShawn McCoy two of the the biggest names uh, surrounding the bills I wrote about Vontae Davis yesterday which is a little bit of a teaser to what we're about to talk to here and the mm-hmm. competition that he's in with Philip Gaines and the moving pieces at cornerback for a team that was really solid at that position a year ago thought they would be just as solid by signing Vontae Davis and maybe oops now not so much because Vontae Davis is in a competition he didn't look very good in the preseason his confidence hasn't wavered but I mean there's I think the confidence maybe of the team and fans has definitely wavered in him. So I wrote about that. Eric Turner broke down the Bills-Ravens matchup on film and has a lot of good nuggets in there, as he always does. And I'm coming to the finish line on the story I've been teasing out the last couple of times we did this. Is there anything you can give us? I can say that, at this point, I can say that I talked to Joey Harrington. Whoa! And that's, I don't know if, how big of a clue that is, but uh, it's got to do with Josh Allen and rookie quarterbacks and when's a guy ready? What mistakes do you try to avoid? The pitfalls of bringing along a young quarterback. And we brought him up on the podcast a little while ago, Joey Harrington, if you remember. I do. And I thought to myself, well, that would be a good guy to talk to. <laughs> and I found a phone number and texted it. And he was like, I would love to help. And I was like, all right. So it was when we were in Chicago, actually, that I that I talked to him yes, outside and, of a Chicago bar. Yes. And, and, and th- this is a story for the pod. Matthew Ver- Fairburn talked to Joey Harrington for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes with, while we were in Chicago. And... Actually, Tim Graham helped keep your life intact while yes, you were talking to Joe Harrington. because I was doing this on the streets of Chicago. First of all, I needed Tim's phone to record the interview while I was on speakerphone because I didn't have my recorder on me. I wasn't expecting Joey Harrington to text me back because he'd gone dark for a day or so. And he's like, I can do this in an hour. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't have a choice. You know, when Joey Harrington's ready to talk, you when he calls you pick up the phone sure it's, i believe that's the number one rule of life that we should all follow <laughs> <laughs> and so not only did tim lend me his phone so i could record the conversation but he did stand outside so that the various riffraff passing by uh in the streets of chicago the drunken frat boys and other such um 
people that were passing Col- by. Colorful characters uh, that were he, there. He protected me. He, he was my left tackle, protecting my blind side. <laughs> and so because of all that, I think I'll have a fairly enlightening story. Joey Harrington, not the only one I talked to. Talked to some other people that have been through this on the coaching side and the playing side. And I feel like for all that went into it, hopefully uh, people are as entertained by it as I am. You can subscribe to find that either later tonight, sometime tomorrow. Um, go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat. You can still get 40% off. And really, after I sacrificed my life to talk to Joey Harrington, I feel like, you know, two ninety nine a month is a small price to pay for. <laughs> I mean, think about the type of teamwork Tim and I are putting together to, to get this this stuff out there. So theathletic.com slash Billsbeat if you want to jump on board for 40 percent off. <laughs> Quite, that, that was good. Uh, and over at WKBW.com. Uh, I will have the uh, well. I have practice notes from Wednesday leading into it, including notes on Marcus Murphy, which he might be looking at maybe a bigger role than we thought, and and some other uh, little nuggets from practice that were in there. And, and plus, leading up to the game, I'll have my five things to watch column, and then after the game, my seven observations from the from the uh, the Bills game against the Ravens again. That'll all be over at wkbw.com. All right, back to it. And let's go right to the position we were just talking about, cornerback. And you, you brought up Vontae Davis's name, which is the reason why this is such a huge question mark. Tredavious White, I know you said this is a downer of a podcast. Folks, don't worry about Tredavious White. He good. He, he will be just fine. In, well, in what Shum- if there's a sophomore slump? Uh, 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 no. Sure. Right. He, he's, he's a good player. He's a really good player, and he's a, he's a perfect fit for the zone defense. So Tredavious White will lock down one of the sides, and he'll shadow a, a receiver when there's a really good receiver out there, which is what we saw him do against A.J. Green. Which is not the case in Baltimore. Right. With, they have Crabtree, Sneed, and John Brown. I think I think you'll see. John Brown is pretty good, but... Yeah. He's always hurt. I so. know he is. I, I had a lot of lot of uh, hope for that guy coming out of college. Where'd he go? Something. Uh, oh gosh, it was a small school. It was something state. Was it Delaware? No, it no. was. It was a Kansas school, perhaps. Is it? Was it Pittsburgh State? Which is in Kansas. Let's see. I'm waiting on pins and needles. It was Pittsburgh State. Oh, yeah. Which is in Kansas, correct? Yeah, baby. Yeah, because Brian Mormon went there, I believe. Anyway. It's in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Anyway. The um, real pit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the cornerback position. and Tredavious, That one was for Finelli. Yeah, I was going to say, if Finelli <laughs> is listening, then he will not be pleased. But I do not believe that Finelli listens. And if he does, Finelli, if you listen, text us. Well, if he doesn't, then he's not really doing his job, is right. he? <laughs> Unless Kearns is assigned to the podcast, I don't know how Kearns, how they divvy up duties. Kearns has listened to us once, and I think it was the time we did it, we did it in his office. Even though he he did tell me he subscribed, I just don't know how active a listener is. I the, like the, to imagine that head PR man Derek Boyko and all of those who work for him gather around in a circle. Maybe they call Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean into the office, and they all listen to the Bills beef. Well, that should count for like seven listens then, as opposed to just one. Up our numbers, right? I don't think so. I don't. I, I, know. I, I don't yeah. know if that's how ratings work, but <laughs> maybe they should. Sure. Because I think a lot of people probably listen as a group. Yeah. There's probably listening parties, kind of like like oh, yeah. the Bachelorette and such. Yeah. That that's... twenty thirty. You know, middle-aged women get together and listen to the Bills beat. It's totally right. <laughs> I, I can picture it now. I mean, why wouldn't you? No. We 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 get it and. Finelli and Kearns, by the way. That's Bill's PR staff. Anywho, cornerback position. Tredavious White is good. Outside of that, there's some questions. You know, Taron Johnson seems like he's taken a hold of the, the nickel job, even though Sean McDermott wouldn't say it's his. It's his. I mean, it's been his for like the last three weeks. So I would be uh, somewhat surprised if they did not have the rookie out there at the nickel position to start the season. And he's a to-be-determined as well, but he's a strong tackler, and we'll see how he does in coverage. 
the other cornerback, Vontae Davis, now in a battle with Philip Gaines. And how about this? Here's a Bills beat nugget. You ready? What can you tell me about Ryan Lewis? He went to Pitt. He went to Pitt. He has long hair. They have two Pitt corners? They do. Lafayette Pitts went to Pitt, by the way. If you didn't know that, great little fun fact to tell your friends. Well, Sean McCoy asked this question in the locker room. Has there ever been a quarterback running back, as in, you know, two guys sharing a backfield that both went to the same college? Because Nathan Peterman and LaShawn McCoy also both went to Pitt. A lot of Pitt guys on the roster. Yeah, I'll say. Now two Pitt corners. But why I ask you about Ryan Lewis, they just picked him up off waivers. They got him from New England. The second straight year, the Bills have poached in the initial waiver period from the Patriots. Brandon Bean has only claimed Patriots off of waivers. Yep. Connor McDermott, Corey Bojorquez, which I believe is how you pronounce it, and um, Ryan Lewis. Isn't that how you would do it if you were a GM and you're you're like, well, just pluck. I, yeah. I'll just sure. take the Patriots. Whoever they don't want, I'll, sure. I'll have those guys. Well, so the story about Ryan Lewis, today at practice, which is Thursday for you listeners out there, they were working in a bunch of different people uh, against something specific that the Ravens do. And they were doing one side of the field, one play, the other side of the field, the other play. And they were rotating a lot of their core guys in there. So Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Ramon Humber, Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Raphael Bush. They all got in there and, and took these reps. What was Philip Gaines got in there as well. What was interesting is that Ryan Lewis was mixing in to this little soiree of sorts. And... I did not see Vontae Davis mix in to that. Now, that could just be a case of Vontae Davis knowing what he's doing. Or perhaps maybe they're thinking of themselves, maybe Ryan Lewis is more than just a special teams guy that we have in here. I I don't think he's going to be pushing for playing time anytime soon. But usually when you see teams devote reps to a guy in a practice... And it usually indicates at least a little something. So I think they have some relatively uh, high hopes for this guy. Either way, it's going to be either Vontae Davis or Philip Gaines out there. And from what we saw from Vontae Davis, I would not be shocked if it's Philip Gaines. Either way, it's going to be a trouble spot, Matt. I have a feeling we're going to see less of Vontae Davis than maybe people think. Yeah. And it's going to be... It's going to be a situation where they can mix and match. If Vontae Davis is on the outside, maybe Philip Gaines can move inside. If they need to have four corners on the field, you can put Philip Gaines at one of those slot corner spots and keep Vontae Davis outside. But I don't think it's quite the lockdown spot they thought it was no. when they signed Vontae Davis. And you may think, well, they probably didn't think everything was all fixed when they signed Vontae Davis, but they did hand him $5 million. They did. They did do very little else to address the outside cornerback position. I'm not sure Philip Gaines was necessarily brought in to do that. And They brought him in to compete for the nickel spot with and whoever they drafted. <laughs> it appears he lost that job, is but now going will go and just take job. Vontae's job. So oh. I don't think he's going to necessarily wrestle the job away outright. And I think maybe Vontae Davis has a little more in the tank than he showed in the preseason. But I think he took longer to get back to full form after that injury than they anticipated, than maybe he even anticipated. I think and he might a, not still be there. I think there's a case he's washed. I there really is, do. I mean, the injury he's coming back from is not a fun one to no. come back from. No. So I think speed-wise is where you question it. That John Ross touchdown was Oof. eye-opening. Yes. And... I think, okay, John Ross is one of the fastest players in the NFL. But that's still, that combined with the missed tackles, that stuff, I mean, I don't care how healthy you are. If you've lost a step or if you're missing tackles, and maybe he isn't quite quite what he was. He just doesn't have the fluid hips anymore, and that's a problem area. Which is why, keep that uh, that nugget in the back of your mind, everyone. Because Ryan Lewis 
Yeah, that'll be sure to impress your friends with the right. Ryan Lewis nugget. Right. They they might actually want to work him in. As, well, maybe not this week because it would be too quickly, but maybe they have hopes to develop in, him into a starting player. They really don't have much. Philip Gaines is, is not really a good player. Vontae Davis might not be a good player. What do they really have to lose? Lafayette Pitts can't play it. Taron Johnson can't play it. Who else do they have on the roster? The answer is nobody. And they've done that type of thing in Carolina with you mm-hmm. know some guys that are either undrafted or late-round picks that they've developed. If a guy can learn the system and come in and master what he needs to do, and, it, and if he can tackle, then he can come in and make plays. I don't think it's a system that is super demanding physically on a cornerback in terms of a ton of press coverage and things like that. It might be a little bit more demanding mentally, but if a guy can come in and figure all that out, there's a chance that he can step in and perform. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not against the idea of a guy like Ryan Lewis making a name for himself. Sharice Wright, looked okay at times in this defense. So we'll see what happens, but Vontae Davis shouldn't feel as safe as he did a couple months ago or even a few weeks ago. I, I honestly believe that there is a chance that we could even see, within the first couple of months, Vontae Davis be inactive on game days. I really do. That's the way it's kind of devolved for him over the past few weeks. And it's not a good look because they he does to have it. incentives in his contract for playing time, yep. so they would have an incentive to shut him down yep. if they weren't getting anything out sure of him. Sure do. So that's the cornerback position, but again, Tredavious White, good. Keep keep an eye out for Ryan Lewis out there. All right, and the last position we have yet to get to is linebacker, and the two guys that we need to talk about more than anything is Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, who are basically in the same spot. Milano has a a leg up because he has the experience of last year, but he went through kind of a a barrier sort of thing in the summer where the Bills were not happy with what he was doing. They pushed him for a starting job for a little bit, and he ended up reacting the way that they wanted to and then then took hold of the job 100% once again. Tremaine Edmonds is a rookie, and the GM of the team, Brandon Bean, said, look, the, the expectations placed on him were a bit unfair. And he, he essentially said he's going to go through some growing pains, but that in the second half of the season, he expects him to be flying. So can the Bills overcome in the areas that they need to to help these two young linebackers grow together in this system? Will Milano play as well as he did in the handful of games that he started last year? That's a, that's a big question, too. So all of these things are very much on the table. And I wonder just how effective that linebacker group will be heading into the season as opposed to what it might be in November, as Brandon Bean would would indicate. Right. You're asking Matt Milano to hold down the fort in a lot of ways if Tremaine Edmonds is fighting through things. But I think the good part about Tremaine Edmonds as opposed to other rookie linebackers is how uniquely gifted he is with length and Mm -hmm. speed, change of direction, all of those things that can help him mask some of his flaws. No amount of size or reach is going to help you if you misdiagnose a running play Mm -hmm. and hit the wrong gap. You know, no amount of reach or size is going to help you if you get lost in coverage. But I think there is an amount of, you know, leeway that he has because he has recovery speed that most linebackers don't have. And he does have length and reach that a lot of linebackers don't have. And he's able to impact the game in a lot of different ways. So Growing pains might be there, and that could cause some big plays that the Bills do not want. But I think he is the right type of personality to handle the ups and downs. And I think he's talented enough to still make plays while he's struggling. He's not going to be a black hole on the defense on every play. But if he, you know, Alex Collins blows by him 
for a 25-yard run on Sunday, I'm not going to be shocked. If, you know, they find a way to get him matched up on the right tight end or receiver and he gets a little bit lost, I'm not going to be shocked. I'm also not going to be shocked if he picks a pass off and runs it back because when he has the ball in his hands, he's going to be a a terror to bring down and, and he can move. And we saw it in the preseason and training camp a couple times where he almost had, you know, some passes that he took the other way. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of variance in his game early on. And the Bills will live with that because, like you said, if that means in the second half of the season he's the best player on their defense, they'll live with that. Yeah, exactly right. And I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation. I think he could be, if everything goes according to plan, one of the best players, if not the best player on the defense. Now, uh, the one area that he needs to get a lot more comfortable with is dropping back into coverage because it just doesn't seem like he's totally there just yet when he drops and, and looking with everything. It just doesn't seem like he's confident in it yet. And that's that has to come with time and doing it a bunch, especially when your feet are up against the fire and you have to perform and you have to be in the spot that you need to be. So if you get burned, it's going to mess with you a little bit. But the more he does it, the more he gets comfortable with it, he makes a couple of plays when he does the right thing then he's going to look more and more comfortable as the weeks the plays the hours go on so Edmonds is is the guy here and I think I think Milano can have a really good season I really do uh, the way that he came on last year in replacement of Ramon Humber and how he was able to cover tight ends cover running backs out of the backfield and pick them up very quickly uh, these are all things that uh, that benefit the Bills having him in the lineup. Though one one thing I need to see him get better at is to not get blown off the ball by by a blocker because he is a smaller linebacker and he has to find ways to combat that. Maybe he he shields himself a bit more, maybe he uh, takes an angle of attack that's a bit different, but something needs to give needs to give there, but he has a lot of different parts about his game that that make him into an exciting prospect and one that could potentially be a long-term starter for them if if he continues to do the things he did in 2017 and Tremaine Edmonds you know I think for him it's really just settling in settling down and settling in he's 20 that can't that point can't be stressed enough it's a matter of what were you doing when you were 20 what was I doing I was back from Florida State living in a house with five of my best friends it was complete chaos we were we were living right across the street from UB South basically it was it was a mess but a lot of fun perspective you know you know what I wasn't doing I was not quarterbacking an NFL defense no I also yeah, wasn't six foot five, 250 play. pounds no, you might have been close to six foot yeah, five. Yeah, I, I was getting closer to six five. Probably about a hundred pounds shy of Tremaine. How Evans. dare you? I have never been that. I'm, I'm, I'm. I back then I was probably around like one eighty. I'm about, I'm about one ninety five now. So there you go. So how so dare you're, you? You're on the hunt, chasing yeah. down. Tremaine oh yeah, Evans. bring it on, bring it on, Tremaine. So yes, that point can't be stated enough. Although there are significant signs there to where whenever it clicks. He's going to be a solid player for them. All right. I think we, we got through the entire defense. And now I guess it begs the question. Do you feel better or worse about their defense after this deep dive? About the same. I think. Because we think about it constantly and that's, that's our yeah, job too. I yeah, think my, my, me too. It's easy to feel. It's easy to poke holes, I think. And sure. And I still think year two in the scheme is going to be a nice nice thing for them, for a lot of these guys. They'll be a lot more comfortable. and But, man, it it's not until you go through it with a fine-tooth comb that you realize how much of an impact one injury could have Oh yeah. in terms of making the whole thing fall apart. I think they could survive an injury at safety, one, because Raphael Bush is decent. If Saran Neal gets on the field... Look oh out. God, <laughs> that's going to be trouble. They can't. They maybe could survive an injury at corner, depending on who it is. If it's Tre'Davious White, of course, this this goes for a lot of NFL teams. But 
I think the depth just isn't there at a lot of the key spots. Yeah. And that's what happens when you eat $50 million in dead cap and turn over the roster the way they have. You're not going to have the depth that other teams have. And that could be a problem. But the starters, top to bottom, I think you can feel okay about almost every single one of them. You yeah. can talk yourself into it at least. Maybe not Philip Gaines. Maybe not, but... How about Ryan Lewis, though? You can talk yourself into a little Ryan Lewis action. Right, pick guy. I mean... Patriots guy. Right. He's... There you go. Feel like you get one up on the Patriots? I think the the Bills wanted him last year off their practice squad, and, and he said he no. He did not go, yeah. yeah. Well, now he had no choice. Right. But now he might be walking into a solid role with the Bills. Who knows? We'll see. So the Bills take on the Ravens on Sunday. That is when we'll talk to you next, which will be after the game, which will be the first submissions into the Come On Darlene bracket. How exciting is that? I'm pumped. My body's ready. That is pretty thrilling. And the continuation of the Dree Archer Award. Yes. For the first time. Uh, all, all season long. And, and so far, the Dree Archer Award, you know, Corey Coleman was the first winner. <laughs> oh, and, hello. <laughs> and what do you know? He's gone. <laughs> Hasn't been signed either. No. Tenny Palapoy. We're still waiting to see if it's okay. Still waiting to see if it's politically correct to yeah. name an award such as this after him. But I think Dre Archer, it's safe to say. Yeah, I'm content with Dre yeah. Archer. We'll, we'll just we'll leave Tenny Palapoy out of this. But in the back of your mind, you'll be like, hey, I wonder what's going on with Tenny Palapoy. Or just don't. Or just don't think about Tenny Palapoy ever. It's, it's really your call. It's your prerogative. You've got some things to do. We understand. We're glad that you're a part, a part uh, making us a part of your day. How about that? We deserve to be a part of your day a little bit more than Tenny Palapoy. <laughs> Potentially. Although it's up to you. I think that's a fair This statement. is America. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us here on this preview edition of the podcast. Next week, once uh, we see the Chargers play and everything like that, when we do this preview podcast, we'll go in-depth on their opponents and, and really uh, – dig into the matchup and week one's always tough admittedly because you don't really know exactly what what uh, the bills are go- going to be going up against which makes it really tough for the guys that actually have to play the game so for what it's worth that uh, week one's always a weird week anyway so the next time we will talk to you will be after the bills take on the Ravens. game did we pick it i don't think we did I'm trying to remember. Did we pick games last year? Did we? I thought we did. All right. Let's pick it. Did we pick games last let's year? Let's pick it real quick. I've got... Uh... I thought we picked it. Picked games last yeah, year. Yeah, we did. I remember just getting many picks wrong. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm taking the bills. No clue why. Typical Joe B. No Big idea. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I have no basis for that because I think the Ravens have them beat in a lot of different spots. But I just wonder I just wonder if the Ravens are going to be able to put up points and maybe the difference is LaShawn McCoy and being able to do some things against their defense. If uh, that's why I I I'm, I'm I'm taking the Bills not very confident in it, but I think the Bills go 1-0, especially setting up with a pretty tough weeks 2, 3, and 4 after that. Yeah, I don't think the Ravens are that good. Right. Um, that was my main source. On offense, particularly, they're not that good. This all comes down to Nathan Peterman, and whether you think Nathan Peterman can keep this game in check. And I think he probably can, but... I think the Ravens' defense is good enough to take advantage of him a few times, especially given the offensive line situation, and that's Mm -hmm. my number one concern. I think the Bills will lose this football game. I think it's going to look a lot like that game in Carolina last year where it might look a lot like that game in Baltimore a couple years ago when Rex Ryan was still the coach where it was just an ugly game. Mm -hmm. Nobody was really doing much on offense, but – the Ravens did just enough, got a big play. They've got the more experienced quarterback. 
They've got the better defense, I think. That was the game slightly before Greg Roman got fired. Right? Yes, it was ugly. And by the way, Greg Roman is the Ravens' offensive coordinator. He is. Maybe we'll get to see some Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens win the game 16-7, something You don't have to get something a score. gross. Something I, gross. It's a little right. bit more fun for the listeners to give a score and I'm here for the listeners. They picked us over Tenny Palapoy, so <laughs> the least I can do is give them a score. Bring it back. All right, so Matthew, even though he provided you with a score, took the Ravens over the Bills. I took the Bills over the Ravens without a score. Because he's a gutless homer. Do you want to fight? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a sleeping dog on my lap, so he wouldn't won't make sound, but I will fight you. No, I'm just kidding. I like Matthew Fairburn. He can stay. All right, so that's going to do it for us for the last time, I swear. Next time we will talk is on Sunday after the game, and we'll see if uh, either Matthew or me will be right about who wins that game. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a tie. It's tie. Maybe it's a tie. How many people even listened far enough to know that we made predictions since you started bidding them adieu before we made predictions? <laughs> I'll say 57%, which is... Fine by me. We might have to tease it out that we made predictions. <laughs> they have to go all the way through. All right, now we're just really killing time. All right, uh, you all go on with your day. Thank you for listening to us. We will talk to you on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Bills Beat. See you then. <laughs>